I, uh, this is lesson eight, a teaching series. If you don't know, the notes are always online. I normally don't get to, I got a lot of notes today and I'm, I'm not even sure I'll get through with what I plan to say today. We'll just see. I want the Holy Spirit to tag you. What do you think? I just think if he speaks and ministers, that's the best thing's going to happen. So, uh, uh, I'm talking about healing. Uh, it belongs to you in Christ. And uh, so we've taken uh, six lessons in the past and talked to us, laid the foundation, showing scripturally that it is the will of God for every believer to walk in divine health. If it's the will of God to forgive your sin, which it is in Christ, then it's also the will of God for you to be healed. Yes or no? So we, we, we're going to talk about that in detail. And then can I just, and, and so now we're going to lay the foundation, talk about how to practically apply the truths of God's word about health and healing to your life. And uh, I don't know how to say this other than just go here. I, uh, um, you know, for a lot of people, I was raised Southern Baptist. Maybe you're raised in a church that doesn't teach and preach divine healing. So some people have the idea that this is uh, I don't know the right word to use. This is an antiquated term. This is, uh, you know how like, uh, I can just explain it this way. You know, you go to the fair and, and you got this guy on a megaphone. Hey, come over here right now. And, and he's got this, come and see this thing. You want to live for eternity. I have the new gizmo here, the new elixir. If you, if you drink this, you will live forever. Come over here. Just twenty nine ninety five will set you on to the path of eternity. You know what I'm talking about? I know that's weird. But a lot of people think about divine healing that way. Did you hear what I'm saying? And the moment I, as a believer, say something about Jesus healing me, you know, I play the harmonica and to pick on my dog, sometimes I'll play it in front of him and he turns his head. Yeah. Yeah. But they just don't get it. Like, are you crazy? Have you flipped your lid? Are you stupid? You really believe in, you think God is into that? I say, well, yes, he is. So I want to take it out of that realm into the realm of the practical. Can we do that? And let me just say the things that I'm going to be talking about today, you know, this is not something I studied in a book, say, well, this would be good to share with them. No, no, this is the way I live my life. And um, I've been living this way uh, for over four decades. And, uh, and, you know, th- this stuff is so personal to me, uh, I can't describe. But, and and it's taken me, it's taken me uh, out of so many scraps and challenges and problems, not only physically, but, um, but circumstantially, financially, in every way. I mean, you know, if you're in ministry, you, I mean, just figure it out. If you're in ma- ministry, um, uh, part, part, of, part of your stuff is problems. You're going to have problems all the time. Because uh, the devil wants to see to it that you don't succeed. And you know what? If you walk with God, in a lot of ways, it's that way. There are going to be obstacles, challenges, and things that tell you it's no use. Why are you doing that? But you know what? Everything good worth, is worth fighting for. That's why the Apostle Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. So I want to talk to you today again uh, just about believing God in the practical way. Again, we've laid the foundation that it's the will of God for us to walk in health. We've talked about dealing with fear in the past lessons. We've talked about re- literally changing the atmosphere of your life by changing what you choose to hear. And today, you choose what you hear because there's so many voices speaking. Is it true? We've talked about how you can know it's the will of God, seven reasons you can know that healing is the will of God for you. We've talked about the healing covenant that God enacted with the Israelites as they came out of Egypt. 
uh, in the book of Exodus, and that healing covenant is still in force today. We've looked at the seven covenant names of, names of God. Those covenant names show God's character and his desire to help his people. We've looked at that in detail one lesson. Then we looked at the healing in the atonement of Christ, and we saw that the same sacrifice uh, that Jesus gave to forgive our sins is the same sacrifice that he gave also to produce divine healing for us and health in our physical bodies. And with the same faith, this is the cool thing, the same faith that gets you saved or get your sins forgiven is the same faith that will get you healed. Is that good? So I'm trying to make it as practical as possible. Last week I had seven points um, on how to receive healing by faith. I got to six of them, but I saved the best for last. And so number seven we've got today, there are three things. The seventh point is, there. well, the first point is anything received from God must be received by faith. Then we talked about the fact that faith makes the impossible possible. It's what we're singing about today, right? Uh, then we mentioned that you can receive healing by faith. Determine what you can believe without doubting is step four, five. Start with something small. We'll talk about this again. How can you tell where your faith is? And then number seven. Three things necessary to receive by faith. And this is real simple. First thing is you got to believe you receive before it looks like you've received. You get that? Number two, talk like you believe you receive before any physical manifestation appears. Then thirdly, find a way to act like you believe you receive your healing. Now, these three things, now, they work not only for healing, but, uh, but for finances. Uh, let me just say also for... Um, uh, for um, uh, building, what do you call it, the thing we're looking for, the building permit. They work for building permits. Right now I'm, I'm in the middle of, and my faith says I have a building permit right here in my hand. I can't see it yet, but one day I'll have it in my hand, and I'm going to turn around and show it to you. Say, look what I've had by faith all this time because faith takes the place. It's a gap standard. It takes the place of what you don't have until it shows up, right? And so, again, uh, so you got to talk like you believe you receive, find ways to act like you believe you receive. So let's get right on into this. This first point, uh, I'm going to slow her down and talk real slow. Can I do that? Give you some illustrations because if you'll grasp this, this will change your life. You know, uh, a lot of people live with hopelessness. Did you know that? And there's a lot of hopelessness in in culture today, worldwide, really, people have no hope that things can be different, no hope that their future can be brighter than it is now, no hope that they can overcome the trage- tragedies and the challenges that they face right now. But I'm telling you, you get to reading the Bible, God gives you, the no, first thing he gives you hope. Maybe first thing he is, he shows you he loves you, then he gives you hope, and then he gives you some faith to go along with the hope. 1 Corinthians 13 says, now abides faith, hope, love, the greatest is love. But, you know, you got to have some hope. And the Bible gives you hope, right? So I want to give you some hope today, and hopefully we'll sprinkle a bunch of faith on that as well and show you how you can receive from the Lord. So number one, believe you receive healing before it physically manifests. Now, I just want to say I have lived this way. I've received healing. I mean, I don't even know how to count it. Uh, small things, big things, in the middle things, thousands of times in, you know, 40, what, five years that I've walked with Jesus this year, and and this verse particularly. Now, let me say one of the three Bible schools I went to was uh, Kenneth Hagin's because he meant so much to me. We moved ourselves 1,200 miles from my home and went to uh, Kenneth Hagin's school in 1980. Uh, that dates me as well. But uh, but Kenneth Hagin um, was a proponent of this verse, Mark 11:24, where it says, "Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them." 
and you will have them. Uh, he was born with, a, with a, a congenital heart defect and a blood condition. Either one alone would have proved fatal to him. Doctors at the Mayo Clinic told uh, Kenneth Hagin and his family as a young boy that he, he would never live past 16. He couldn't because of the way the problems with his heart and the problems with the blood condition he had. Age 16, he was paralyzed from the waist down. To make a long story short, he, got his, he said he got his grandma's Methodist Bible and started reading. And he got to Mark eleven twenty four, and he stopped. And he said, wait a minute. If that's true, I'm coming off the bed. He was paralyzed. And so he read it. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Long story short, he believed he received. He got up off the bed, and the paralysis disappeared. And his heart condition was completely healed at age 16. That was in 1934. Kenneth Hagin died uh, in, uh, in 2003 at age 86. So God honored his word in him. So anyway, I think that's a, you know, he's a, he's a mentor of mine. And uh, I've lived this way all of my life. So again, the first step in receiving healing by faith is you've got to believe you have the healing before it manifests, you got to believe you receive it. So, 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 so to do that, I'm going to say this again. I said it last time. What can you believe God for? Where is your faith? And let me say this again. You're not going to be able to lift a 300-pound problem with 25-pound faith. You get it? And that, see, that's where people, you know, many people won't teach and preach on this because you got to practically apply this stuff. And you got to do it in your own life. You got it? I mean, otherwise it just won't work. So ask yourself the question, what can you believe and hold steady with? Where can you believe and just not waver? You know, so I mentioned last week, uh, when you're living by faith, you got to start with small things. Start with a cold, which generally isn't going to kill you, or uh, a rash, a sprain, a headache, or something that uh, we would call minor, not life-threatening, but something you can trust God and you can exercise faith in, a small thing. So, so here's the question. Can you believe? Watch. Can you believe with, uh, with, uh, with doctors and with medical help? God will see you through to health. See, can, that's, that's a level of faith. Can you believe that with surgery? Uh, the problem will be rectified and unhealed. Can you believe that? And with prayer and surgery, can you believe uh, with faith in God alone without medical intervention, you can be healed? See, see, so where are you? See, not everybody's at the same place. And, and see, when I'm talking about this stuff, you know, uh, uh, you, you shouldn't think that you're going to be where I am unless you've been doing what I've been doing, right? So I got to get real practical with this. I'm going to try to get as practical as I know how. So start where you are, even if it's small. I mean, you got an ingrown toenail on your big toe. Well, believe God, it'll go away, right? And the infection and all that stuff will leave. Or, or a hangnail on your, on your finger. I mean, just whatever, it hurts, right? Or a pimple. You know, that pimple just won't leave you alone. Well, curse that thing in Jesus' name. Right? So start where you are. Start with something small and hold steady. Now, I'm gonna, I want to go into detail on something that happened to me uh, five year, well, four and a half years ago now. And just go into detail and show you how to believe God, how it works. This was a tough test for me personally. It was a physical test. And I, I brought it on myself. You know, um, sometimes the devil doesn't have to do, do, do too much because you do it to yourself. Have you figured that out yet? You know, you know, you got problems and the only person you can blame is you. 
Well, decent. I got this weird thing about dates. I remember dates. And the way you remember dates is you align them with something else that's going on. So Susan's birthday was going to be Monday, December 12th. So back up a few days, Friday, December 9th. 2016, that's how I do it. And then my daughter, Sarah, and her husband bought a house, and they were moving in on December 10th, which was a Saturday, 2016. So December 9th was a Friday. About 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I went upstairs. It was my day off. I said, well, I'm going to rearrange a room. I have some workout equipment. I like to work out workout equipment in the room and such, and couch and chairs and stuff. So I'm going to rearrange that room, make it look a little nicer. And have a little place to study and all that. So I was in the middle of doing that and I had to move uh, the, the um, uh, workout equipment. One of them was a, a treadmill. It took four guys, uh, including me, uh, to take that treadmill upstairs. It was that heavy. So, so, you know, me being the big buff guy, I think I am, you know. I, uh, I decided I'm going to move that thing by myself. Uh, from where it was to another location in the room. And, and the mistake I made, you don't ever pick something up away from your body. You pick up with, my dad always taught me, lift with your legs, Mitch. Well, I lifted with my back and not my legs, and, and uh, I, I just, uh, the pain was, uh, uh, became indescribably bad. Let me just say it that way. So bad that the next day, uh, I was supposed to help Sarah and Michael move from their apartment to a new house in Clayton, and I can't even lift a box. It's like, I, I, this is not working. So I said, sorry, guys, can't do that. And, and it went downhill from there. So uh, the pain was um, uh, incredibly serious. And uh, so I went all the way through the month of December. And, uh, you know, everything. I mean, stand, walk, sit, you know, lay. Nothing works. Everything hurts. And uh, if you've ever dealt with pain, pain can wear you down. How many get it? Uh, well, I mean, so I went through the rest of December, incredibly painful. Uh, went through January. I take every seventh Sunday off. I remember Susan and I uh, went and, and rented a little place at the beach, and uh, I was trying to lay in the bed. I couldn't lay on my side. I couldn't lay on my back. I couldn't lay on my other side. I couldn't move my legs in any direction because it just stinking hurt, and I couldn't sleep. And so I say, well, God, I got to do something. That kept going for several weeks. By the, by the first part of February, it's like, okay, I'm done. And see, let me say this. See, when this happened, I laid hands on my own back. I said, Father, right now I ask you to heal my back in the name of Jesus. I believe I receive. And every day, this is what, what you do. You believe you receive what it feels like you don't have, right? Now, I did that, and then I would say, like I believe I receive. Lord, thank you. And so, you know. Uh, God fights your battle. So I just say, Lord, thank you so much for healing. Ouch, my back. Ouch, thank you for ouch, healing my back. And, you know, and uh, it hurt to walk when I was preaching up here on Sundays. I just, you know, I don't talk about my stuff. And uh, I talk about God's healing power. And uh, everybody asked me how I'm doing. I said, well, I believe I'm fine. That didn't mean I ain't fine. I said, I believe I'm fine. I'm hurting like crazy. I wanted to say a few things, but I didn't. But I just thank God, you know, and then I acted like I believe I receive healing, but with every step, thank you, Lord, you know. So anyway, by the, by the 1st of February, I, uh, I, I knew I needed to do something. In 2013, I was on the, uh, everybody okay? Got to tell the story, makes sense in a minute. So uh, in 2013, I ride uh, bicycles on the Noose River Trail, and I had my uh, mountain bike at the time. Uh, I had a road bike later, but anyway, uh, anyway, make a long story short, I broke my arm. I fell on a wet trail. And uh, broke my left humerus, one of the largest bones in your body. And uh, it took a while for that to mend. After it mended, I had to go see a physical therapist because how many know what you don't lose? You lose. What you don't use, you lose. 
So if you don't use your spiritual life, you lose your spiritual life. Yes? Yeah, think about it. If you don't actively love one another and be married a long time, you lose it, friend. We could meddle a little while anyway. So anyway, I went to the physical therapist, and he went, took me all through the physical therapy stuff, walking my arm up the wall and all these old antics, you know. And half the time I wanted to, you know, hit him really hard, but uh, he helped me get all of the motion back in my arm after that. So uh, with this back thing, I said, well, I'll go to this physical therapist and see. Nothing wrong with, with you know, seeing what I can do because the pain was so intense. And let me say this. Now, this is not good. If you're a medical person, what I'm about to say, you'll go, that's stupid. Well, I took up but just, just to be able to endure were living. I couldn't think. I couldn't think to study. I couldn't think to pray because while you're thinking, the pain says, I'm here. I'm here strong, and I ain't going nowhere. I said, shut up, and just kept worshiping the Lord, but it got worse. So I took between 2,400 and 3,600 milligrams of ibuprofen. That's not healthy for your liver. You get it? See, you, you medical people, that's bad. Well, there's no other way to deal with pain. And, you know, you can't, just, you know, if you've got a job like mine, you've got to think, you've got to reason, you've got to make good decisions, you've got to deal with people, and you can't think. Now, you, you can become a beast if you're hurting a lot. So anyway, I did that, and, uh, and I said, kept going to the physical therapist. And I went there one time, y'all, I laid on that table. I don't know what he did. I said, you won't be doing that again to me. You won't be doing that to me again. And he looked at me and said, well, I suggest, and he gave me the name of a surgeon. He said, you need, he's the best uh, orthopedic surgeon in the, in the is ortho, I guess so, in your back, uh, in, in, the, in the area, and uh, you go see him and tell him I sent you, and he'll treat you right. So I went, and they, they gave me an MRI, went through the machine, did all that, and then I remember sitting in his office, and I'm sitting on the table, and, I, and uh, understand, I'm believing I receive. How many get it? But let me say this, you can only deal with pain so far. So I'm trying to be practical. You're grimacing and grunting and can't think and you're hollering at your wife and children all the time or your husband and children, whatever the case may be. You need to go do something. You get it? So I'm sitting there and uh, so he comes in with, his, with, the, with the MRI sheet and he puts it up on the board and he says, see right there? And I said, uh-huh. And, and so I saw my innards, all my insides of my body, all different colors. And he said, see right there? And, and L4 and L5 discs in my lower back were sticking out, protruding. He said, here's your problem. Your L4 and L5, you have displaced them by moving that piece of equipment you did, and it has pressed your sciatic, uh, sciatic nerve on the left side. And that's the reason you have no, I had no feeling in my, in my side. And then all the way down my leg, to move my leg was intense. And then, you know, you got eeny, meeny, miny, mo. No, I'm sorry. Uh, this little piggy went to market. This little piggy had none. So the little piggy that had none and the little piggy that had roast beef and, and the other little piggy, I couldn't feel them. My, my, my toes, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. I'm, you get what I'm saying? I couldn't feel them. So he said, well, you've got three options. It says sciatic nerve, you know, and then you got stenosis, which means the little uh, thing that capsulates your sci uh, sciatic nerve is really small. Some people have small ones. You do. So any inflammation, it, that's what happens. It increases in size, and, and that's why you feel the way you do. He said, you got three options. He said, you can go to a physical therapist. I said, done, done that. Already done that. Click. He said, or you can go see a chiropractor. I said, hmm, never done that. He said, or you can have surgery. 
I said, mm, mm, mm. I thought I didn't say, mm, I don't want to do that. I said, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. He looked at me, and I looked at him, and I said my goodbye, and I left. I waddled out real slow. And then, uh, so that was, uh, that was the end of, uh, end of February. By the end of March, I mean, I'm just done. And, and people at this point, I'd be in service noticing, people noticing I'm in a lot of pain, yada, yada, and uh, trying to walk, walking real slow. I'm kind of walking, walking like, walking like this, just trying to get around, you know. And, and so, uh, uh, actually, it was Madeline. Yeah, you remember that? She gave me a piece of paper, and a lot of people give me pieces of paper, and she gave me a piece of paper. I didn't know what was in it. And I laid it on my desk. I forgot to open it up because I got busy talking to people. Laid it on my desk. And, um, and then I took one of my seven-week breaks, and I went to Alabama to see my daughter. And we did all that. And I could hardly get up the stairs at her house. And we slept upstairs in her house. Tough. So we were coming back home. I was in the Birmingham uh, airport. And I uh, had my phone. My phone went ding. Somebody gave me a text message. And it was another guy that was in the last service I was in, the service before. The Sunday before, uh, Madeline gave me a note, but this other guy said, hey, I noticed something Sunday. You may want to check. And he gave me the name of a chiropractor. I said, hmm, okay. And I, you know, flew home, uh, came to office Monday morning, opened up the note that Madeline had left me, and, and the same name the other guy had given me in text message was in that note. I thought, hmm. now, you know, sometimes when things happen, you just got to figure out God may be speaking to me. I mean, you figure if he can talk to the prophet with, uh, through a donkey, then God can talk to you through other people sometimes. So I said, hmm. Now, they didn't know each other. You don't know who the other person is, do you? See, see, you don't have a clue. But I do. And I said, well, you know, there must be something. So I called, said I need to see you, like, yesterday. So the guy saw me on Tuesday. I took him my MRI thing, and here's what he said. He said, well, wow. He said, well, there's a 70% chance that I can help you by, by doing some things here with traction and such. There's a 30% chance you'll have surgery. See, I'm, I'm just trying to get you to see this is what you got to do to locate your faith. And here's what I said. I'm going to bank on the 70%. You can do this. Help me. And why did I do that? Could I have? Here's the question. And, and so I, he helped me, and I went several days a week for a while. He did all kinds. He got, I had all these machines and this and that. And uh, he did his traction and all that and um, uh, for four days a week, then three days a week, then two. By the third week, no pain. So I said, come on, God. No surgery. Come on, God. Now, did I exercise faith? Uh, here's a question. Could I, have, um, could I have stood in faith without chiropractic care? Uh, well, that obvious answer is yes, but then the other question is, could I have endured the pain that long? And could I have been effective in my job? You get what I'm saying? So, you know, you got challenges in life that come. And, you know, sometimes we make it so simplistic that people miss what we're trying to do. You got to figure out what God's saying to you in the circumstance you're in. You get what I'm saying? So what is God saying? I'm saying that divine healing is available. It's available to me. But what do I need to do to get it? And how do I grasp it? And what can I believe? So when I ask myself, uh, what can I believe? You've got to understand, I have believed God for some things. Now, this faith thing will work for physical things. It will work for circumstantial things. It will work for, for uh, finances, whatever. And I've stood in faith sometimes for days, sometimes hours, sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, not months and months and months. 
and, and, and gotten my healing for physical things. So, you know, I wasn't a stranger to that when I was looking at what I was dealing with with my back. Can I believe in the, it, with excessive pain? And then the fact that the only way that I can think logically and concentrate is to take this ibuprofen stuff, and I don't want to do that long. So I made the decision to, uh, to go to the chiropractor, and it worked, and, and I have no pain today. Isn't that good? And, and they didn't get, now, you know, don't, don't get under condemnation. Well, I went, to, I went through surgery. Well, well good. That's fine. Uh, where are you? What can you believe? I chose to believe this. You get what I'm saying? So regardless of what your circumstance is, you got to believe you receive. That's the key to receiving from the Lord. Again, Mark eleven twenty four. and in the notes I have all these translations and I have them on the margins of all my wide margin Bibles because I've read them so many times through the years. Therefore, this is a key to receiving from God. Everything we need is in the spiritual realm. In fact, Ephesians 1, 3 says everything we need has already been provided. Everything that pertains to, well, Second uh, Peter 1 says, everything that provi- uh, pertains to life and godliness has already been provided. We've been blessed, Ephesians 1, 3, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and that's the issue. They're spiritual, they're not natural yet. They're all available to you, but you got to walk with God. You got to be obedient to Him. You got to love Him. You got to get in His words. You got to be, and you got to grasp it with your hand of faith, right? So that's just the way it works. So this is the key right here. Jesus gave us a real key, New Living Translation, Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe you've received it, is that past, present, or future tense? Yeah, it's past tense. If you believe you've received it, it will be yours. Amplified says, for this reason, I'm telling you whatever you ask for in prayer, prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you. That's present tense. And you'll get it. New century version. So I tell you to believe that you have received the things you ask for in prayer, and God will give them to you. God's word translation it's just always when I say that, it's just strange. It's God's word. That's in the name of the translation. That's why I tell you to have faith. I like the way he says it. That's why I tell you to have faith that you've already received whatever you pray for. See, have faith that you've already received it, and it will be yours. And so, again, uh, that's the key, and I've got all these other translations. I won't take time. So, so let me say this. See, so the key to receiving from God is not saying, oh, God, I ask you, and I believe I'm going to get. If you say I'm going to get, you will never get it. If I'm going to get, that's looking to the future. Let me see how much time I got. Uh, November of, uh, of uh, 1981. I was in Florence, South Carolina as an associate pastor of a church out of the will of God after my second Bible school experience. I went to a, a, a hospital to visit a man who had blacked out at work. I've got to be quick with this one. And uh, anyway, walked in his room. They had found a tumor in his brain. And the surgeon said, we need to operate immediately, sir, because this thing's pressing on parts of your brain that will uh, immobilize you and eventually you'll die. So it's very serious. And this guy, listen to this. You need to hear this. This guy had gotten a book that I actually give out. We actually had it at Rhema, and I had it before. I I had it in the first Bible school I went to, and I've given it to some of you. It's called Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth. He had that. When I walked in his hospital room, he had that book in his hand. He said, "I I believe I'm going to be healed. I said, well, that's real good. 
Because he, he let out of his mouth what he was believing. He said, he said, I believe I'm going to be healed. I knew right then that man was going to die. You say, pastor. No, I knew. Because of what he said. You can't receive from God by, by believing that something in the future is going to happen. That's hope. There's nothing in the Bible says that you'll get what you hope for. You can hope all your life and die. A lot of people hope for salvation but never do what's necessary to receive it. Huh? Thief on the cross by the hair of his skinny, his chinny chin chin. His skinny chin chin. Yeah. Wow. Right? So when this guy said, well, I, I'm, I believe I'm going to be. You see, he was full of hot air. He had read that book. And he was high on that book. But I knew it was about an eighth of an inch deep in him. And I knew this is not going to turn out. And I tried my best to say, sir, my, here's what I said. My encouragement to you, listen to what the doctor's saying to you. If you love your, here's what I said. If you love your life, wife, love your life, love your family and your children, and you want to see them and go back to work again one day, let that doctor operate on you because I could see he wasn't where he needed to be. He said, oh, no, 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 I, I believe I'm going to be. I said, sir, no. And I said it three or four times. I prayed with him left. He died that December. Now, I'm glad he was a believer. But see, he misunderstood faith. And a lot of people misunderstand faith. See, faith grasps what God promises and brings it from future hope into present faith. Listen to this. Dr. J. Oswald Sanders, who was a, who was a Presbyterian pastor. He was born in the 1840s. And God healed him of a congenital heart problem. He was sickly all of his life until 40 years old when God supernaturally and sovereignly healed him. And then he had a wonderful healing ministry the rest of his life. And a lot of his colleagues in the Presbyterian ranks deserted him because of his belief system. But God healed this man. Here's what he said. He died in 1919. He was the founder of Christian Missionary and Alliance Churches. He said this, Dr. J. Oswald Sanders. I just got that all messed up. That's not who that is. That's somebody else. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Dr. J. Oswald Sanders said, Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Is that good? Can I say that again? You're thinking. I see your wrinkled brow. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present. How do you treat the future as present? Believe you receive. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive. And you shall have. Treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Now what's the inference when it says invisible as seen? It's not, you can't feel it. You can't see it. You can't hear it, you can't taste it, you can't touch it, but it's yours. And see, that's what faith does. Faith takes the place of what you don't have, but God promised until it shows up. Faith is a gap standard. It stands right here. So you're believing God. I was believing God for healing. I just had to figure out how to practice 
practically apply my faith in a way that I could stand my ground and believe right now I received my healing. So once that chiropractor said there's a 70%, I said, well, in my view, there's a 100% chance. Let's get after it. And I let him do what he did to me. And, and, and every day, what did I do? Every day I said, Father, I want to thank you. I believe I received healing. I believe I received healing for my back in Jesus' name. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe I'll never have to have. So I said it out loud. And I said it every day. I said it every time I thought about it, which was frequently because it still hurt pretty bad. You get it? Sometimes with every step, I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. You get it? You just got to do that. And, you know, I've done this with, uh, and, and, you know, I'm doing the same thing right now. I mean, we've been believing God, and we've been in the middle of this building thing, and our campus looks a mess. And uh, so you know what I'm doing every day? Father, I, I believe I received a building permit. I just, and you know what I do? I mean, I get really excited. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the building permits. Thank you so much. Lord, you've been so good. You've been so gracious. You've been so kind. You've given us favor with the city of Raleigh. You're so good. Thank you. So what am I doing? I'm believing I receive. Do I have it in my hand? No, it's not, not out there on the, on the little uh, thing they put all the permits on. It's not, but it will be. But I believe I receive it now. And if I believe I receive it as much as I can, I got to act like I receive it. That doesn't mean I go tell all the contractors, okay, let's build the building. I got to wait to get the permit. But I believe I got it before I get it. Get it? Faith is a gap stand. It stands for what you don't have, knowing. And see, if you're in faith, every day you're excited. You know what the truth is? If you're in faith, so for me with the building thing, if I can digress a minute, (laughs) every time I open my email, I'm expecting to see an email from our construction guy saying, we got, I mean, every time I say, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Because I believe I receive it. Got it? And then if I go to bed and it's not in my hand, and my mind says, well, in the morning, I'm going to click my email or he's going to send me a text. And I live in expectation all day. And if you live in expectation of the answer for something you've asked God for, you can't be, you can't be aggravated and angry, upset, agitated, worried. You're excited. Oh, God's good. He's good to me. He's faithful to me. Right? So you're walking around, oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. You, you. you can't be discouraged. You have to be encouraged. You get it? You got a bill to pay. I've been there many times. You got a bill to pay. <laughs> There's no more, more month than money. It, it's not there. It's something, it's an anomaly, something you hadn't planned for. You don't, you know, you don't even have that in the savings. I've had that happen before. Have you? If you've got four kids, you've had a lot of things happen financially, and let me just tell you, particularly if you're putting them in a private school. We're believing God for everything, right? Put them through college. I feel your pain. Got it? But see, you believe you receive. You believe you got it before you get it. And, and then that keeps you excited. There's a spring in your set. There's a joy in your, in your voice. There's a smile on your face. <laughs> and you're thinking, I can't go under for going over. Because <laughs> I believe I receive. You get that? That's the way it works. See, see, New Century Version, Hebrews 11.1. 1, faith means being sure. Watch. Faith means being sure. Everybody say sure. Of the things we hope for. And knowing that something is real. Even if we do not see it. Now, for me, that building permit's real. I can't see it yet, but it's real. You get it? So many times I've believed God for finances. I got all kinds of stories. We could stand, sit here honestly all day and tell you all kinds of stories. Where you just believe you receive. And the key is you gotta, 
you got to, as much as you can, act like you believe. Which leads me to point two. You got to talk like you believe you receive healing before any physical manifestation appears. How many hear me? So what says no words equals no faith. If you're never talking about what you believe you receive, then you're not believing anything. Because words come from the heart and faith is of the heart. And the conveyor of faith from your heart to God is your mouth. He said, well, God knows my heart. Well, let it come out your mouth. Faith speaks. So if you believe you receive healing, talk like you believe you receive healing, right? So listen to this, Mark eleven twenty three. I've preached this many times here. For assuredly, Jesus, he was giving the disciples just a little lesson on faith, went by a fig tree and, uh, you know, and basically said, no man ever eat fruit of you forever and ever. And that was one late, late at night, one night, went into a city, went to sleep, all the disciples with him, come back out. And, uh, and, and one of the disciples said, well, looky, 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 the, the fig tree you spoke to, the leaves are withering like it's dying. And he said, well, I told you. And then he said, have faith in God. And then he said, assuredly, I say to you, whoever says, oh, all right, put your fingers up. Every time I say the word say or says after this, I want you to put a finger up. Will you do it? Get, you ready? Whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be, now get your other hand up. And every time I say believe, put a finger up. You ready? So whoever says, got one finger up to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Now you got one finger up for believe, right? You got three up for saying. Now, now watch. It's three times as important to say it than it is to believe it. Did you get that? Now, the devil's got that figured out. If he wants you to believe something, he just puts it on the media. You say, well, looky, looky, you know what they said? They said it yesterday. They said it today. I heard it three times today. In fact, I heard it on the radio. I read it on the internet. I read it on this, uh, pod, I heard it on this podcast. I heard it on the news. I heard it on here. I heard it on there. And it's a lie. And you believe a lie. Y'all, that happens all the time. I'm trying to stay out of all the fray with this, but you get where I'm talking about, right? He that has ears to hear, let him hear. See, the devil knows the power of words. If he can get you to believe something, if he can say something long enough, he'll get you to believe it. That's why a lot of people, you're no good. You stink. Nobody likes you. Everybody's against you. You see that person, you see him walking down the, you see him walking down the path. They've they got their head down. What's the matter? Oh, everything's fine. Oh, they're believing the wrong thing. They're hearing the wrong thing. Now watch this. You can have a thought in your mind as long as you don't voice it. It'll die without, without giving birth. So the devil puts doubt thoughts in my mind constantly. You ought to live where I live. It's ridiculous sometimes. It's like, devil, you, you showed your hand that time. That's not even a thought I would even think. You're stupid. You're just stupid. I say what I believe. I don't say what other people say. I don't voice the doubts that come up. Do the doubts come? Every day. 
Just every day, I've had doubt thoughts say, well, well, you're going to have that steel out there next five years. All that steel is going to be laying on the ground. It's going to be a nasty-looking campus. Every time it rains, it's going to turn red because you stupid. I say, I don't I just say, Father, I just want to, I believe I received that building permit. You see what I'm talking about? Or with your body, he said, well, the devil would say, well, you're just going to die. You're just going to die. Are you going to crank, or are you going to shrivel up with that part of your body? It won't even work right. You hear me? What do you do with that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What do you say? Father, I believe I receive. Jesus said, whoever says and doesn't doubt but believes what he says will come to pass. He'll have what he says. You got it? By faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God spoke and God said and God said and God said, Genesis 1, right? He expects you, he's given you the capacity of words. The only creature in creation that can speak is me and you. God has given us an element of his creative ability when he gave us the ability to speak. He said through the prophet in the Old Testament, I create the fruit of the lips. Question, what are you giving God to create? I give him health, I give him strength, I give him life, I give him encouragement, I give him blessing, favor, because I say it. What are you saying, right? Yes, we have 2 Corinthians 4.13, the same spirit of faith as he who wrote, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We too believe and therefore speak. See, what I say is my faith speaking. And if I'm not saying anything, I'm not believing anything. Real quick, got a quick illustration. So this was in 2004. I had a 2001 Ford Explorer, and I sold it. I wanted to sell it. And well, I was going to trade it in for another car. I went to the, you know how they are. They're going to dicker with you. And they, I said, they told me what they gave me a lowball figure. Well, I give you, I said, ain't going to happen today. I'm not stupid. So I kept the car and bought the one I wanted. And it aggravated me really bad. I said that. Bless that guy. Just bless him big, God. I wouldn't say something else. I said, just bless him real big. Just bless him. <laughs> I did. And so I prayed that day, Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name that this 2001 Ford Explorer would sell. It was a pretty car, black with a really nice interior, really pretty for the day. But I asked that it would sell in Jesus' name for X, Y, Z dollars. Bring it to pass. And you know what? I was so aggravated because of what that guy did to me. I said, well, I'm, I said, and I didn't say anything about it, so November, what's this? That was October, actually end of September, then all of October, November, December, January. And there was a guy I, I met who was a broker, and he sold cars for people. He said, for X dollars, I'll sell your car. That is, I'll keep it clean, I'll advertise it, I'll keep gas in it. Somebody calls, I'll let him give it, go on a test run in it. I'll do everything. All you do, if you sell it, you pay me that flat fee. I said, sold, done. And uh, so, because I was willing to give him part of my profit, because I don't have time. No pastor has time, believe me. So, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May of 2005 came. And that car's still sitting on his lot. I'm calling him once a month. Got any bites? Not one call. He called me Reverend Horton. I said, no. Nah. <laughs> don't, don't call me Reverend. See, I'll have to walk in love when you do that. Reverend Horton, nothing. So every month, once a month, well, how you doing? You got, you got it so? Nothing. I said, thank you. And so May come up. Well, how's it going? He said, I, you know, it's a funny thing. I haven't got one call. And I was sitting, no kidding, on a Tuesday, the second Tuesday. I don't know why things happen to me on Tuesday. I was sitting in my office at 530 in the morning at Aversboro Road. 
And I was reading a book by E.W. Kenyon, and I got to the very uh, bottom of the left side of the page, and I just remember reading this statement. He said, he said, a neutral confession. What does that mean? That means saying nothing. Zero words. A neutral confession is the same as unbelief. I looked at it. Huh. And, and, and the Lord tagged me and said, there's your problem, Mitch. You got so aggravated at the guy, you didn't even want to think about it. And I said, Father, right now, I repent in Jesus' name. I've already prayed and asked you. Now, I believe I receive. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that car being sold in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The next day, a Tuesday, Wednesday, I got up, same thing. Lord, in my prayer time, thank you. Thank you, thank you for selling my car. I believe I received. Thank you so much. Thursday got up the same way because the neutral confession is the same as saying nothing and believing nothing. I want to thank you, and I'm not making this up. 10 o'clock Thursday morning, the second week of, of, of May 2005, I got a call from that broker. He said, he said Reverend Horton? I said, yeah. You can just call me Mitch. He said, well, it's a funny thing. I got a call from a guy in, in the military wanting to buy your car. I said, I said, well, I believe that. And it sold on Saturday. Now, I want to tell you what that did. That taught me a lesson. I never forgot. If you're going to believe something, you better say something. If you're not saying it, you don't believe it. A lot of people pray with me to receive Jesus, but they never talk about it. It never comes out their mouth, and it never comes to fruition. What you believe is coming out of your mouth. You love your spouse? Well, say it. You love your chilling? Say it. Don't say, I love you to death. Say, I love you to life. Right? Number three, everybody good? I'll have to come back and do this some more next time. Number three, find a way to act like you believe you receive, okay? So, so you got to believe you receive. Everybody get it? Not in the future. You've got to believe you got it now. It's just like you, you just reach out and, and grasp it. Got it right? See? So whatever it is. So, so let me backtrack again. So you may be believing God for some physical malady, and you've been putting up with that, and the doctor said, well, you'll be on this medication the rest of your life. Well, you know what? Believe God. You say, well, I don't have any faith. Well, that's why you don't have any, because you say you don't have any. Start meditating in the Word. I've given you a bunch of Scripture. They're all on the notes. I've done your homework for you. Start doing it. And then, and then start believing that you receive. Find a time, whether somebody lays hands on you, you can come down here and let us lay, let me or somebody else, one of the staff members lay, hand, lay hands on you. Or pray yourself, but believe you receive. And then as much as you think about it, say it. I believe I receive healing, Father. Thank you. Got it? That's right. Then find a way to act like you receive your healing. Faith must have corresponding actions. Everybody say corresponding actions. James 2, Amplified, verse 17. So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds, and actions of obedience to back it up by itself is destitute of power, inoperative, dead. So, you know, you believe you if you believe you receive by faith, you got to talk like you receive by faith and then act as much as you can like you believe you receive. Now, if you're acting like you believe you receive, you can't go get somebody's sympathy by telling them everything the doctor said every time you meet a new person. If you're doing that, you are 100% not in faith. 
No, you got faith in what that doctor said, not in what Dr. Jesus said. Nothing wrong with seeing the doctor, but you got to get beyond. If you go, believe God. Say what you believe, right? So think like you believe it. Speak like you believe it. And then every way you can, act like you believe it. Here's a New Century version, James 2.17. I love James. He's a very practical guy. Everybody good? In the same way, faith by itself that does nothing is dead. Someone might say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without doing anything, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God. Good. But the devil, demons, believe that too, and they tremble with fear. So the de- if you believe God exists, the devil does too, and he's just shaking. But he'll never say Jesus is Lord, right? You for- foolish person, must you be shut, uh, shown that faith does nothing? Uh, you m- must you, what am I at? Must you be shown that faith that does nothing is worth nothing? Just as a person's body that does not have a spirit is dead, so faith that does nothing is dead. You got to find a way to act your faith. If it's nothing more than lifting your hands every time you think about it, Lord, thank you for healing me. I believe I receive. Lord, I believe I receive. You say, well, what do I do with my relatives? It's obvious that my nose is crooked. Or it's obvious I got this rash on my nose, on my face. Or it's obvious I got this or that. Or my gait is bad. I can't have walk. And they're going to say, <coughs> excuse me, you doing okay? And you say, say, well, what do you say? Do you say, well, I'm healed? Well, it's obvious you're not healed. Jesus didn't say, believe you're healed. He said, believe you receive. Y'all just got quiet. I hear people say it all the time. Well, I'm healed. Well, no, you're not. You're, you're walking like a duck. Come on. You're not healed. But you can believe you receive healing, right? What, do you, what does that mean? That means something standing in the gap that one day will be filled with a manifestation of wholeness, right? Until then, you believe you receive. And you act like it's yours even, even while it's not there yet. Get it? Let me give you an illustration. Faith, in, faith in is an act, and I'll close with this. Everybody good? I have a lot more to say than I have time, always. 1978, this happened. I got a bug at school. I was in Bible school, first Bible school. And this, one was bad. this one was bad. This was bad. This is under the bad category, real bad category in my life. So I got a bug at school, and I ate something real bad for lunch. It was bad. Boy, I threw my guts up right after that. It was just bad. I hate to tell you, it was just bad. Jesus, help me now. And then, you know, when you got a stomachache, it hurts so bad. My stomach was turning triple somersaults backwards. So, oh, man, it's bad. So I got to drive home, you know, feel weak. You feel, you know, just feel awful. <clears throat> so anyway, so I believe. I said, Lord, I, I just ask you, heal my, heal my belly, heal my stomach. I took off home. I was still living with my parents at the time. It was first Bible school experience. Hadn't met Susan yet. Anyway, drove in home. When I opened the door to my house, my mother was cooking. Now, she cooked, my dad come home. You can set the clock when he gets home from his job, and they ate every day at 4.40 p.m. Set the clock. If, uh, if your clock doesn't say 4.40, set it, because that's when they eat. So she was cooking all this stuff. When I opened the door, she's cooking collards. What happens when you cook collards? Oh, man, it smells bad. I open the door, it's like, nah. I mean, I started the gagging reflex. (laughs) 
And uh, she said, what's wrong? I said, well, I threw up at school. And so she had collards, ham, black-eyed peas, and cornbread. That sound good? And so I had to wade through the kitchen, come in the door through the kitchen. Let me get to the room. I'm about to throw up. And I laid down on the bed. And I, it wasn't five minutes. My mother came back there and said, Mitch, and here's the way my mama talks to me. Still to this day, she lives with us. Mitch. I said, huh? She said, the Lord spoke to me. I said, what did he say? She said, well, he told me to tell you, if you go get a plate of food and get you some collards and some ham and some black-eyed peas and some cornbread, you'll be healed. I wanted to say, you're going to be cleaning up the floor, sister. <laughs> I didn't say it. I did you know, I looked at her like she was crazy. I said, yeah, you say, huh? That's what God said, huh? She said, well, take it or leave it. That's what he said to me. If you'll eat it, you'll be healed. <sighs> Man, I, my, my belly's wrestling and mess. It was horrible. But I thought, well, it ain't going to hurt. One of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to get healed or we're going to chuck on the floor right there right now. <laughs> so I went right to the kitchen. And I sat down, and she made me a plate with collards and ham and black-eyed peas and cornbread. I took the first bite. I took the collard greens first. Oh! Swallowed it. Took me a bite of ham. Took me a bite of black-eyed peas. Took me a bite of cornbread. Then I took a second bite of collards and ham. Black-eyed peas and cornbread. Swallow that. Then I took a third bite and a fourth bite. And by the time I downed that plate, my stomach had stopped hurting. Now, you know, that was a big lesson for me. I was 20 years old at the time, and it taught me a big lesson on faith. You got to act like you believe. How many get it? 